Welcome to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. My name is Coach Sheffer. I am the offensive line coach at Brentsville District High School in Northville, Virginia. And we have another great guest tonight. But first, if you're watching us on YouTube, do us a favor, hit the like and subscribe button down below. That's going to help uh, expand our community here on the podcast. If you'd rather listen to this in podcast form, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, as well as many other podcast platforms. So you can find us there. Make sure you give us a good review so that we can expand this uh, community, coaches community that we have going here. So tonight we have another great guest. We have Coach John Arnett, who is the run game coordinator and offensive line coach at Summer Creek High School in Houston, Texas. I'm glad I've got another Texas coach coming on tonight. So welcome in tonight, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Anytime I get to uh, uh, talk ball and, and, and share things, it's a great time. You know, as coaches, I think we're lucky. We are one of those people that gets a profession that's a passion, you know, and, and there's no better deal. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, I've never even went to real work. I've went to school my whole life. And I, you know, especially we're lucky down in Texas that uh, most of us are full-time employees of the district. You know, I teach science also. Um, just kind of a little bit about me as an intro. Uh, I, you know, graduated 2000, 38 years old. I'm from the Houston area predominantly. I went to a school, uh, Barbers Hill. Uh, from there, I was lucky enough to go play at uh, Stephen F. Austin, which is, uh, I always want to say 1AA, but an FCS school up in, in, in Nacogdoches, Texas, which if you're not from Texas, you, you would be confused where to find it. But from Texas, you would know it's, it's up there behind the piney curtain of the uh, East Texas in the woods there. And, uh, you know, to me, O-line is my identity. I, I've been lucky enough out of 38 years, 26 has literally been spent consecutive either playing or coaching offensive line. As soon as I had been done playing O-line, uh, I started back out. I played or got to coach again uh, for my, my head coach in high school, Don Price, who's a, a longtime Southeast Texas great, great coach. Uh, uh, a guy that a lot of influence on me, him, and my offensive line coach from high school, Kenneth Skidmore. Uh, I've been real lucky all along is what I'm trying to say. Started with them. Uh, a great guy has hired me back, and I started the junior high. And for all you coaches out there, if you, you know how that is. But I think everybody, you know, needs to pay those dues, you know, uh, without knowing how to uh, tell someone to put pads in pants. It's hard to actually coach things. You got to learn how to be specific. From there, I got my first uh, varsity job up in in East Texas. And when we say East Texas down here, we meet up more of the northeast side of Texas, about all oh, 150, 200 miles east of Dallas, a town Hallsville, which was uh, about a 5A school in Texas. Uh, that's about 2,000 people right around there, 2,500. Um, I was there three years as assistant O-line coach, and, and one of the best opportunities that possibly could have happened happened there. I was the assistant O-line coach at a guy that was just at the twilight of his career named Pat Rippey. Pat Rippey was the head O-line coach at Nevada, Reno, all throughout the 80s and stuff for Chris Alt, uh, and won a national championship and won his was probably the biggest influence on how my beliefs and my philosophy of O-line play is because he taught me so much about what it really means. And, you know, um, you know, just a quick little, little tidbit, little pearl is he said, you know, you don't ever watch film, you study it. And man, that makes, that makes a lot of sense as coaches, you need to do that. And uh, so from there, after I was able to uh, be able to, to apprentice under him, I, I went to a, 
a small school which was, was loaded with talent, absolutely lucky to go, called Tatum. Uh, they're a 2A school uh, at the time, which is now 3A, uh, and I believe they've moved up to 4A now, but there's about 400 kids in the high school, and we were still able to have, um, you know, you think about it, there's out of 400 kids in a high school, about 200 are male, and we had 126, 9 through 12, so there's great participation. Several NFL players have come out of there. Uh, we had um, unbelievable talent, unbelievable talent there. Got, was able to play in the semifinals, quarterfinals, and the regional finals, which is in Texas, the fifth round, fourth round, and third round, three years I was there. Uh, so I definitely learned the lesson there is that, uh, you know, the Larrys and Joes are sometimes more important than the exits and O's. You know, you got to have players first, and then you go from there. Um, at that point, uh, Don uh, Price had called me back up. He was at C. King down in Houston. Um, I, I really wasn't interested in leaving, but then uh, around the Houston areas, uh, it's just some opportunities that, that you don't miss. You know, if you look in the NFL right now, there's more uh, NFL players from Houston, Texas than anywhere else in the, in the nation, and it's, a, uh, it's obvious. You know, when I was at C. King, lucky enough to have a young man on the team. I'm not going to say I'm coaching because those great ones you don't really coach once uh, much. Travion Williams, who played for A&M and now is for the Bengals, and uh, he was unreal. Uh, what a special kid. Uh, for those of you that have been able to coach NFL caliber kids, you'll know that they just have those intangibles. Like I've never seen him in three years not finish a play in the end zone. We could have been on the negative one and practice on air. We'd have to wait on him to get back. And he was just such a naturally driven uh, young man and deserves accolades, accolades, accolades. There's everything that he deserved at A&M there. Uh, from there, got the opportunity to go to uh, a larger school, uh, Deer Park, Texas. Work under Chris Massey, who Chris Massey is under the, uh, uh, you, would, you would say, the Mike Johnston and Gary Joseph over in Katy. He had, he had won a state championship at Katy. He was the OCO line coach there. Was able to learn a lot from him. Uh, and Deer Park had 4,000 kids. So in my career, I, I've been able to, and I, and I think this is important, and, and I know I seem like a rambling, but I'm trying to tie it all together. I've been so lucky to coach at rural schools with 400 people. C.E. King was a urban school uh, that was low uh, socioeconomics right there in, in third ward area, uh, which hurt, uh, if you're from uh, Houston, you know that dirty third. And uh, then Deer Park was 4,000 kids. And so I've, I've seen a, a broad spectrum. And in Barbers Hill, it, it is a, um, what do they call it? The Robin Hood in Texas, it's a, it's a, a more affluent school due to uh, chemical plants in the district and everything. So I've seen the whole spectrum and you, and you realize that all kids are the same. You know, there's some different outside things, but kids and kids and or young adults, young men, you know, no one wants to be called a kid and, and they just want to be treated with respect. And, and it's fun to see those and to get out of my comfort system. I think a lot of people, uh, especially with how things are going in the world, you, it's important to get out of your bubble. And, and see the other side because we realize we're all great and we're, we're all human beings. Uh, from Deer Park, I got the opportunity. I got called by uh, Kenny Harrison, who uh, was the head coach at Port Arthur Memorial, won a lot of games there, coached people like Jamal Charles and uh, uh, several other phenomenal athletes. He got the head job at Summer Creek, um, had got my name, was able to call me up, and, and I've been there three years now as the O-line run game coordinator. And uh, we're lucky enough to have some some great athletes there, and and, and that kind of just takes a, along the journey. Awesome! That sounds like a, an incredible journey. Uh, you know, 
everywhere you go, you know, there's different spots in the country where you're like, oh, that's a that's a football area. You know, you think like Georgia or Florida, but man, whenever you hear Texas, you know football it's different. In Texas. Exactly. There's those small towns that that the real deal, they'll shut down still. Like when I was at Tatum, people are gonna be at the game. There ain't nothing else going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. It, it's an it's an amazing experience when a high school, which I think we've kind of gotten away from and not to get on any soapbox or anything, but it's important for communities to have that tie of tradition and to have a culture. And, and you know, uh, I think that's the new thing that, that is trickling down from colleges is culture. And I am a firm believer that if you really want to win programs, and I don't mean a season, I mean, if you want to program year after year, you develop that culture in that locker room. And, and small towns have that built in already. And it's amazing. I don't mean to get off topic, but you mentioned. Oh, you're never you're, gonna. You can you can go off tangents. I'll talk about anything. <laughs> I teach science. We can go astronomy, physics, whatever you got, man. Exactly. You, you mentioned science, and you mentioned I saw astronomy on uh, the email that we were talking about. Uh, I teach earth science and oceanography, so we have a similar there background there, coach. So that 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 interests me too. Um, how long have you been teaching uh, astronomy? So I'm going into my 16th year of education. Okay, I've taught. Again, I'm from 2A. Now, them 2A schools, you, you are the department, you know. And there I taught some AP chemistry, chemistry. Predominantly, mostly, I've taught physics. I think probably about eight years of my career I've taught physics. I've taught biology, AP biology. I've taught uh, aquatic science. I've taught IPC. I'm currently teaching astronomy. I've taught fifth and sixth grade PE. I've taught seventh grade uh, uh, earth science, eighth grade life science. Uh, I love all the sciences, you know. I, I always say first, it's kind of one of, it's one of them deals. I'm more of a nerd than anything else. Like, I really am. I love science. I get excited about stuff. I get excited. I think it's amazing, like with astronomy, uh, you know, the possibility of uh, parallel universes and stuff. But that's another day. Yeah. Uh, that It's always one of my most interesting topics when, when once I get to it in the earth science, once right. I get to the astronomy unit, all the ki- kids are like, you really like teaching this, don't you? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't understand how big this is. Like, you know what a light year is? It's crazy. So. Exactly. All right. So, we'll, we'll go back to football a little bit yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Whatever. Let's go. Yes. How would you describe your own personal leadership style? Because, you know, everyone likes, likes to talk about culture nowadays. And even I have been doing a lot more research into culture. So, I'm more interested in uh, everybody's own personal leadership style. So, how would you describe yours? Uh, you know, like I said earlier, I identify myself as an offensive lineman. I, I mean, I embrace it. That's who I am. And I think offensive linemen are the personification of a servant leader. They're the guys that are going to show up every single day. They're going to be front in line. They're going to grind. They're not going to do it for the, the newspaper. They're not going to do it for the accolades. They're going to do it because we is more important than me. Okay, my whole life, uh, you know, probably – a lot of it dictated I'm an only child. I love to be part of a team. I love the feeling that I've done something good and that I contributed to the betterment of an entire group. And that's how I lead is that I believe as a leader, if I want to pull a weight, I've got to grab the rope in the beginning and I'm going to talk to the people behind me and I'm going to tell them, look, this is us. This isn't, y'all aren't doing this for me. We're doing this for us. And I think as a leader, that's what you got to do. You inspire people with a vision. You start with a clear communicated vision and you show the passion 
that you're not just doing this and you're not just, uh, you know, saying things and saying things. You're doing it because you believe it. And I believe football is one of those things that is the last front of, of, of defining and helping out what is masculinity. And I do think there's a difference between masculinity and toxic masculinity. And I think it's important as new coaches to learn the difference and to, to not reinforce those things because I think it's okay because it, there's an attack on all of it. So as a leader, I want to make young men understand. And I think this is what football is important about because we live in a time that we're attacked by, you know, the, the effects of possible concussions, which I believe technique and equipment is, has changed so much drastically since those studies come out. But again, another time. But the point is, is that in life as a man, things are going to hit you and you have to react. You can't ball up. You can't fall down. You got to get back up and you got to go. And I think that's what it teaches young men. And it's not for everybody. And it doesn't make it bad if you're not. Football is not for you because you can find it other ways. But I think it's a defining front. And in my leadership, I'm a firm believer that specifically high school, because I haven't ever coached college and pros, but as a leader, I'm there for those kids, number one. I want young men and, and to know, and I keep in touch forever. I've been lucky enough. Robert Walker was my offensive line coach in college at Stephen F. Austin. To this day, I've got texts on my phone that at 4.30 in the morning, he sends me inspirational messages. He coached me 15 years ago now. There's no reason for that. To me, that's what a leader, that's what a coach is, is for life. And it's because you care about people. And I care. I love people intently and deeply and i love just humanity and i want the place to be better and i think i can can make it better so i do it awesome um so in your title part of your title is run game coordinator now at least it that that's not a title that uh you see not necessarily here where i am in virginia uh, but it's becoming much more popular like run game coordinator or uh passing game coordinator um so can you kind of describe what your experience has been? Like, what are your duties as the run game coordinator? Well, I think first off, if you're a true O-line coach, and, and, and O-line coaches know what I'm saying, you know, sometimes I think we're our own little kind of cult, you know what I'm saying? But when you're a true O-line coach, you're already a run game coordinator because you understand the run scheme. And I think the, the main duty as the run game coordinator is to analyze the defense and make sure – that you're running the right place to the right front, checking it to the right way, that your job is to help. You're just an extension of that offensive coordinator. You're an extension of all that. Uh, and I think it's really what a head O-line coach is. I think that's – I think they're synonymous. I think, uh, you know, it's just they're finally starting to realize how in-depth offensive line play is, you know. I, I, there's it's, – it's an amazing position. In no other sport you have five guys – that have to work as one and then have no stats for them. They don't score. Every other sport, every position can have the possibility to score, but we're not going to do that. So I think it takes uh, a lot of understanding, a lot of dedication. It's, it's like a calculus. You know, there's a lot of variables, and I've got to teach young men how to plug and play in a dynamic, open-world uh, situation. So as run game coordinator, I'm the one that has to, I'm a math teacher. I, I have to identify all those variables and, and communicate them. All right. Makes me want to ask my head coach if I can add that title to my, uh, right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's so, really just about money anyways. Right. So, no. Right. Um, so 
you know, there's certain positions that are known for being like the personality people on the team, you know, like wide receivers are, you know, loud, me, me, me type guys. And, you know, the quarterback's always the guy getting the glory, but, um, and you kind of mentioned it when you talked about your own personal uh, leadership style, but what are some ways that you allow your offensive lineman group to develop their own unique personality within that team structure? Well, you know, you, you allow them, uh, you know, one just off the top of my head, you know, allow them to create their own identity, right? The, the, I always tell them, like I'll tell my guys, we're like the special forces unit. We're a unit inside a unit. You know, we're, we're the guys – that are going to go get the job done. And I think that uh, the type of people that are gravitated to O-line are young men that um, that are more, a lot of times, analytical, a lot of times more like, uh, you know, thought, they were real cognitive guys. So I allowed them in, in a lot of it, and I don't know if I'm really answering the question right here, but it's just, it's letting linemen know it's the only position, everybody else you got to teach humility. Most linemen, you actually actually teach a little swagger to, you know, and I think that's a lot of letting them understand because, you know, I was a big kid and all that. You have a lot of linemen that were that were raised, hey, hold back, you're going to hurt little Johnny, right? So you have a lot of young guys. I mean, you coach over line, a lot of freshman stuff that are so passive because they don't realize they're, they're, they're gentlemen, they're gentle giants and stuff like that. And so it's like, it's, it's just letting them know that, hey, you're an athlete too. Like, you know, they've been, kind of given these false uh, uh, labels and, and stereotypes all their life that, oh, they're just the big fat kid or whatever, you know, and that time's over, you know. It takes a lot of athleticism to play O-line. And I think more than letting them um, have their own identity, it's more getting them to coax them out of their shell and let them know that, hey, it's okay to sit at the big boy table and that you're part of it. You're, you're just as much as that receiver that's catching those yardage and stuff. And it's okay to be confident. You know, there's a difference between being confident and cocky. Confident people back it up when it's on the line. Cocky people hide when it's on the line. You know, and, and, and linemen don't understand that sometimes. They were real humble, you know, people. It's like, hey, it's okay. Step up. Be a little braggadocious on the field. Have a Jekyll and, my, Jekyll and Hyde mentality, okay? Step on that field and be a bad man. You know, you, you, it's the only time in your life that not only will you not get in trouble, but you'll be actually lauded for, uh, uh, you know, a little aggressive behavior. And, and, and we all got that pin up inside, you know. So I think it's just letting them know that, hey, you're bad men too, you know. That was an excellent answer, Coach. Uh, you didn't mess that up at all. So <laughs> you, you definitely answered it how I wanted you to. Uh, so in the email that we had going back and forth, uh, you mentioned that one of your passions is player development. Um, can you describe some ways that you focus on developing the offensive linemen? So like – from that freshman that you get the first day he shows up until the day he graduates, what are some ways that you work on developing him? Uh, it's kind of an extension of that last statement. You know, I start first off, even with those younger guys, just convincing them that, you know, that it's okay. They got confidence. And then O-line is such a position that they've got to develop such a camaraderie. You know, when you look at the collegiate and the pro level and you see these outstanding combo blocks, it's because those guys have worked together a lot, you know? I believe, and in, in, in with this year, it's a little harder with the, the COVID, but I'm real big on having my guys over at the house and, and having them develop that relationship. I think as coaches, um, that's so important. They need to know that you care about them and, and you need to do that in, from a young age and ask them about school 
and let them know that you care. And once you've developed that relationship, now you start to mold them and where they need to go. Okay. And, and, and sometimes being a science guy, I get too caught up in technique. But one of the things that I do is during practice, I'm going to, to yell a lot. Okay. Because I want to create stress because football is a highly stressful game, right? So they need to perform under stress. So I think part of it is, is getting them to understand the developmental process of throwing them off guard, of catching them off guard and sitting there and, and seeing how they react and force them in those situations, and then coming back later and loving them. Because in the game, and then in the game, I'm a cool customer, you know, because in the game, they got the stress. My job now is to demonstrate, you know, hey, we got this under control, so I'm going to stay smooth. So I think uh, a lot of my player development is 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 more of a, a cognitive and a mental and, uh, you know, just uh, confidence deal. Uh, the athleticism will come, and, and, and you know all of that really is in the off season. You know, if they can't bend in the hips, they're not going to be able to play. So, you know, I place a high emphasis in, in, in good strength and conditioning, and in in making sure that they understand the importance of taking care of their bodies and stuff. You know, I put a lot of things in their hands. Mondays, I give two things in their hands. I have uh, uh, weekly points of emphasis, and then I, I have a thing called a, a skill acquisition contract which has about eight steps. So what I do is I focus on two skills a week, one that they pick and one that I pick, that that's all we're going to coach. Because I was real bad as a young coach of coaching 25,000 different things once. Well, I'd rather coach two things 12,500 times. You know what I'm saying? Because by the end, and, and you know, we are playing for a 16-week season, in, at least in Texas, that's 32 different skills that they gained and mastered, right? And, and part of the contract has nine different steps that they go through, including they got to get my signature, my assistant signature, the freshman outline signature, and the head coach's signature because they're going to go tell him what they have to improve and how they're going to do it. And I think getting them to vocalize and, and do all that is where it is. And, and, and that's how you do skill development. We forget as coaches, I do at least, you know, it's so easy once you've done it a lot, a lot, a lot. But then I think back, hey, I, as a freshman in college, I did the double guard pull where I pulled into another guard. And, and I'm like, man, I, I'll look at kids like, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, you did it. And so I think it's important when you're looking at player development, quit thinking like a coach and think like a kid. And, and, and luckily, I've never mentally, I guess, matured too much. I've always been able to relate to, to young adults. And I know that their thought processes are different. You know, they don't, they don't think about us long-term and stuff. So if I can sit there and make them repeat things, and it's really it's just taking a lot of instructional strategies from the classroom and applying it on the field, you know. As a, as a good coach, you should be a good teacher. Uh, so I do that. And then also along the way on game days, I'll give a game day reminder sheet, which just goes back over some things. And I'm going to handwrite a note on the bottom. Never sleep on how effective handwritten stuff does. I mean, think about it. Every time I've gotten some handwritten, I feel special, especially nowadays. Everything's email. So I make sure I tell them, all right, just a little thing. Hey, I'm proud of you did this, this, blah, 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 blah. And then um, when I grade film, I, I create a whole, I have a whole grade packet sheet. And then like we talked about it later, I can share on the YouTube, just show you, I put watermarks kind of on it because I want it to look official and I want it to be special. Everybody else feels special, but O-Lyman. So I try to do more for them, and, the, and, and this is part of the development, is letting them know that they're special too. I, I just can't stress that enough because they don't get that. 
That's awesome, coach. Um, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to flip flop uh, these you two questions. Uh, so instead we of asking you, Russian Orthodox to the church, whatever you want, I'll, I'll, I'll spit out something. <laughs> it don't bother me none. I, uh, instead of talking drills first, I want to talk technique first because I feel like the technique will lead into the drills. Um, so you, you also mentioned in the email that you're also pretty pos- uh, passionate about technique. You mentioned it just a few moments ago as well. Offensive line is probably, in my opinion, the most technique-driven position that there is. Um, can you take some time to describe on um, – like what are the the techniques that you like to focus on the most for offensive linemen? What are the ones that you teach the most? Well, you know, I'm a zone philosophy guy. You know, that you really, if you look at most offensive linemen, you got gap guys, you got your gap scheme guys, you got your zone guys. I'm a zone guy. So everything's based off that. And, and just starting, I scaffold. So the first thing that we're going to do every day is attack our landmarks. You know, and, and a lot of people use called board steps. I've gotten away from the boards. A lot of times now I use – and I make things with PVC pipe like because it's way cheaper than buying it. I mean, I can – it's way cheaper. Anyways, so I'll make like a PVC like X type deal so we can step in certain quadrants because we need to understand. I, I still have name for steps like half bucket pail, a lot of McNally type stuff. Uh, you know, that's where I really started and, and, and uh, um, what do you call it, gnash your teeth or, or, or cut my teeth on is this Jim McNally type stuff. So I use a lot of the pail and, and brace paint, stuff like that. Um, but I teach first off, I want to I break things down always in the simplest sense. So really run blocking, pass blocking, I got to cover his hip with my hip. I need to understand that relationship. So I described that. And so the first drill we're going to do every day is go through all of our techniques that we would do through our run blocking. So like if we're, we're um, paling with a brace or whatever, so I'm, my play side foot's going to just slightly kind of step back like a timing type step. My second step's jamming straight at my landmark. And, and when I say landmark, so like inside zone for me, uh, I'm, I'm one vertical push. So I tell, I base cover uncovered. You know, we can go into that later for guys who don't know, but covered guy, his landmark's going to be play side number. So if I'm going to pale step if I've got a backside shade really. And so that way I don't remove my hip for that, that guy that's uncovered coming over. So we're going to, we're going to pale right half bench left because that's going to be the things that are applying. And I really, really, really believe that your drill work must apply to the game. Okay. Don't just do things because they look pretty. Don't do things because someone else told you to do things, do things because you researched it and applies for you. That's one of the things as I've gotten older also is that I used to be a purist. Oh my gosh, we have to do it this way. But then I realized I don't have, you know, freaking Michael Orr, and, and a lot of that technique's tough. But uh, anyways, so I'm going to go specifically through each run block, where they're going to steps, and they're driving, where their landmarks are. Once we're done with that, we're going 2v2, so two versus two. And that way is our we're going to work our, our wide zone combos and our inside zone combos because they've got to hip to hip, hip to hip, or, or get to my landmarks, get to my landmarks. So they learn that timing. Uh, those are going to be my daily drills, no matter what, no matter, no matter what, I want to get those things in. I'm lucky with a, a lot of time. Uh, so with pass, I'm going to work all my different pass sets. You know, I, I call them just one set, two set, quick set, jump set, a negative set or a post set. So we're going to go through those things. We're going to talk about it always, what we're trying to do. I'm a big uh, get them in my 90. You know, I write out my nose out the shoulder to the side. Left side has to have left foot back. You know, we're going to learn stances uh, on the freshman level and stuff. We'll do drill work with that early on. 
Um, once we do 2v2, if I've got time, I want four, like a half line. I'll go two half lines with the backs, with just the down linemen. As run game coordinator, that's one of the things that, that you got to really uh, look at as an offensive line coach. I had to learn when I got here was understanding that backs path. And if you want the key to O-line run blocking, it's angle of departure. Your angle of departure up front has to match the backs. And that back has to know where that bubble is, and he has to see those guys in front of him. So it's just getting reps with that. We run a little gap scheme. So, like, yeah, on uh, Tuesdays, I'll spend a couple of periods doing pull drills um, with, like, GT. We do a lot of GT counter. Uh, guard, I'd call it kick pull where I'm in the line, kicking out. Pull right, hit right, pull left, hit left. A lot of guys, all that. And then I skip pull with my backside tackle. Uh, I think it's big time. It uh, helps because he's got to get off level, just a little scheme-wise deal. If your tackle's not deeper with your guard, he's not going to be able to read it effectively if he has to log or anything like that. So, and again, we can get into that later if anyone wants to. But So we'll work a little bit of that. Uh, but for the most part, I'm doing, and I scaffold, we're doing our steps for our solo blocks, or even if we're compared, then we're going to go 2v2, then we're going to go half line, then we're going to go inside run fit. That way they're just progressing through it and applying that drill work. And, and I place emphasis on, and when I ask him, when do we use this? Like every time, every single time. So when are you going to use this technique? Okay. And I don't want robots though. Like I teach it. And then on varsity, when they come to the sideline, if they did something or during film, I'd be like, why'd you do this? And they give me a good answer. Works for me because they've got to know they're just tools in their, uh, one coach. I, I work with Scott Highsmith, who, who is uh, awesome. Another lucky guy I got to work with who actually was like how mommy's roommate in college and, and was at Kentucky at the, the birth of air raid on the wide scale. And, uh, you know, one of the things he told me was all we can do is give them uh, tools in the bag, you know? And, and so I'm big on trying to teach them when to write, use the right tool uh, for the right project. So you mentioned um, that you're a, more of a zone guy. Right. Uh, our offense, we, one of our top plays is outside zone. And are y'all doing so, like outside, like uh, hash number sideline or are you doing more off tackle wide zone? I uh, it, it's more of the off tackle wide zone because Perfect. we we teach the the running back to read the tackle's block. Yep, that's if, why if, the, if the tackle is able to uh, reach the outside line uh, defensive lineman, he keeps going around that tackle and then cuts up field. Right. If he has if the tackle has to kick the guy out, he it cuts. Might be best playing football, especially I at love the high it. level. I I used to be a wing T guy, but. Oh, we started oh, running this. Oh, hey, 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 we started running. I said used to. We started running this, and um, I was like, man, I love this play. Uh, this is actually my first year as the offensive line coach. The last two I've been I've spent as a linebacker's coach, so I was on the opposite side of the ball having to defend it. Um, but can you kind of go through your progression with the wide, your, you know, outside zone or wide zone, um, you know, talk a little bit about what does it mean to be uh, covered, uncovered, you know, mm -hmm. those sorts of things. So I, I, I'm lucky in Texas, you know, and, and I've been lucky to be placed in, in situations that I've developed relationships with guys that really know a lot. I learned wide zone from a guy, Nick Caduti, who uh, is considered probably the wide zone guy. I think, I think he is one of the – I think he's probably one of the best high school coaches out there. He's at least one of the biggest brands, but he knows his stuff unbelievably well. And I was able to learn it from him. And, and we have slightly different uh, kind of philosophies on stuff, so it's not how he actually does it. But a lot of what we do in a lot of not just wide zone, but everything, I predicate off three steps, five steps, or seven steps because it, it just helps with timing. 
So as we're going down the line, my landmark, I'm trying to get my backside hand one inch past the sternum, right? My play side hand's going play side breast because I'm really trying to get that guy turned. So my landmark is going to be that for both the covered and the uncovered guy. When I say covered guy, I'm saying anybody that is a first level defender that is going to be play side, head up, or backside of me. Uncovered, there's no first level defender on him, right? So like if you're in a, uh, an even front, like a 4-2, 4 or 4-3-5, or 4-2-5, or 4-3, or whatever, your guard wouldn't work with your tackle because he knows he's covered, I'm covered. So now it moves back. Uncovered guy always works for the covered guy play side. Both of them have the same landmark. And so what we talk about is if by my third step, I haven't reached, I wash. Okay, and, and, and I'm real big on the wash of throwing that backside hand and trying to take them where they want to go faster and they want to get there. Uncovered guy, if I haven't reached my third step, I climb. Okay, so those are the main things. And then when I go from center backside, I, you know, it's either – there's two philosophies on that, either a hard reach like what the NFL does. I think a lot of times it's easier for high school guys to cut, you know. And I don't – can y'all cut in Virginia or – I lost you. Your mute. So, sorry, yeah, I was muted. Uh, it has to be uh, in the tackle one, box it, within the tackle box, one step and down. It, it's you can't go forward and cut. Yeah, see, so that I teach off the third step relay, and what I do is I call it the death roll, like an alligator, you know. And I'm taking backside hand, punching through th a play side thigh board, and then rolling into him, just getting as wide as possible. Because it, in in my understanding of the play, if I can bottle up everything backside and I can stretch play side, getting those linebackers to overcommit, I can set up that running back's lane to cut back, right? You know, a lot of all zone play. Go watch, study the best zone plays, collegiate pro level, they hit A-gap. Now, A-gap might be on the numbers. It don't matter. But it's going to be A-gap, which makes a lot of sense because I, it's the center where I'm most protected, right? And so as an O-line coach or a run game coordinator, if you're looking out and your backs are getting out past your tackle – and they're not getting many yards. Don't be yelling at us, you know. And so a lot of that is understanding with that back, that patience also. I think it's better for pistol because it allows him to make a vertical cut. I think wide zone's better with a vertical cut. When he's offset, he can still do it. It's, it's not impossible or anything. But he's got to be a little patient right there because he needs to let the center get out in front of him. Just talking overall scheme of the play. And by center getting out in front of him, I'm just like, make sure that center's out front because if he gets in front of him, he's not going to see that A-gap cut. You know, and I think a lot of offensive level anyways, you can get those linebackers to over-pursue because I think predominantly you still have most teams running what I call stretch or bounce, old-school hash number sideline. You know, and uh, I only went to wide zone about three years ago, and it's all production go up from about 2.9 to, to over 5 instantly because it allows those options, right? It's a lot easier to wash somebody than reach. I'll tell you what, uh, from the experience of playing myself, it is a hard, hard thing to reach a good D lineman because you've got to understand losing that depth and getting around him and stuff. So I think it allows for options. Yeah, that's probably going to be one of my uh, biggest challenges because we had a – this year, four of our starting offensive linemen graduated. Mm. And so we're bringing up a younger group. And the one who's returning was a freshman, and he was pretty raw. Um, and he, he had a lot of holding penalties on this play, unfortunately, because he wasn't able to get that wash. You know, he was trying to – Do you teach a double under? 
like yeah. like this. That for me, when I switched to that, that helped with a lot of holding. Like you, you know, emphasize those tight elbows, and, mm-hmm. and that may help on some of that. Just yeah, off so, topic, I guess I'm just kind of you know uh, to me because that they go that that bear hug. They want to give hugs when that old school. Yeah, he's a he, he's a pretty big boy, and he was used to. Uh, he had before he had that that technique where he would try to hug the guy. Unfortunately, uh, because they when they hear the word reach block, they're actually trying to literally right. reach out with him, That's and they're not big. moving their feet. Yeah, and block so with your hips and feet, not your shoulders and hands. That's what I tell my guys all the time. I think the more you can get up uh, with cliches or sing songs or idiot whatever, like, and I tell them hips and feet, not shoulders and hands, and and that's an important deal. Exactly. Um, so I didn't put this on the uh, the uh, question list, but can you go over how you teach pass blocking a little bit, pass pro? Yeah, you know, I'm predominantly a man slide. Uh, I think the man slide protection takes care of a lot of things. You know, when I was going through the programs and playing, it was a lot of mainly man protections where we've got linemen have down linemen and then we're sorting out different linebackers. Uh, I'm big on the, the whatever side they're on, that foot's going to be back and getting them in your 90, okay? So getting them and keeping them in your 90. Otherwise, making sure their inside half of their body is on your outside half of your body. Uh, I teach tackle. I think tackles is a different position than centers and guards. You know, a lot of people say one's in a field, one's in a phone book, a phone booth, which I guess is an antiquated term. Nobody even knows that kids are like phone booth. You know, anyways, tackles need to be one arm long, one arm strong. You teach that tackle to be more predominantly concerned with pass blocking with his outside hand because it's going to keep him from opening the gate. And what I teach them is I say, hey, we want we want the Wu-Tang, right? We want the Wu-Tang W right here. Palms down, hands nice, relaxed, comfortable, and I want to stab. I talk about stabbing a lot because a lot of times, I don't know how to put you know, People don't really fight, which I guess is a good thing, but they don't understand not to, to punch through things, not to things. So if I talk about stabbing, it, 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 it gets the emphasis across. And so I tell them one arm long, one arm strong, ready for that counter. Set and square right there and, and, and making sure that at some point I'm going to set the fight. I can't just keep giving ground. Uh, a lot of my past progressions, I'm going to start. We're just going to do the set, set, sets on air, and then we start set with people. Then we do like mirror drill. Uh, and then I like to do both for run and pass once a week, once every other week. I call them bad body drills. Like I've gotten out of position, I've lost, and now recovery type drills. So we're going through the, those type things. Um, I think in all protections, your centers and guards uh, are responsible for the integrity of the pocket. They've got to set it hard on the line, you know, and then the tackles are responsible for the width of the pocket. And so I base everything off that. And then with the man slide, like I said, uh, and it can be a lot easier. A lot of new people do uncovered sets of slide. I, I'm too analytical. I say so if our pass protection is Roscoe or whatever to the right. The right side guard has number one down lineman. Right side tackle has number two down lineman. They don't kick anything. I don't care about whatever comes out because that's either your hot or the back's responsibility. Center, center's the go-between guy. He's the only guy that doesn't have a nine. He's got a 180, so his role is zero to backside A gap because he needs to know I can't let anybody cross back face because I don't have air. Backside guard has backside B. Backside tackle has backside C gap. And I teach everything, run or pass, I teach them their gap responsibility first. Like all zones, no matter what it is, my, I have play side gap responsibility. 
If they understand that first, they're good. And you get into gaps, I have backside gap responsibility or I'm trying to expand or whatever with the pullers. And I know I'm throwing a lot out quick. I just, I can talk forever. So I'm trying to not keep you all night. But um, uh, when teaching on that, you know, you, you're going to set to a point. You want to beat them to the point and then set the fight right there. You know, it's time to set the fight and let's go. Uh, I teach a post step, which is like, I, I tell it, uh, it's my inside foot's going to step up and inside because I got to get that guy back in the 90. And I, I tell him it's like a jab in boxing. I want to step and punch into it right there, right? I got to cut off an inside rush. You know, the one of the, the 12th and, and 13th commandments that got lost where I will not give up the inside rush. You know, you cannot do that stuff as no lineman. Exactly. And, hey, coach, I don't mind that you're that you like to talk coach because i can tell that you're very knowledgeable and you're very passionate about what you're talking about so that's always very it it gets Thank my blood going you know i'm ready to go out and coach offensive line right that's now it. exactly um so what are your personal views on offense and defense do you have a preferred offensive scheme one that you be believe in wholeheartedly and uh what are your views on defensive schemes i can go a little bit broader than that like specifically i said i'm zone I think that here's the deal with offense, and I kind of touched on it earlier. Run, run schemes, pass protection, and stuff like that, you have to realize they're like calculus. They're, they're, the kid has to understand a lot of independent variables, and he's not sitting at a desk. It is a live scenario where people are coming at him and there is a physical threat. You have to limit that stuff. You have to sit there and find what you want to do and what defines you, limit it, so you can teach it effectively. And then what, and me personally, I think that formations are like geography, okay? I can memorize a million of formations. I can give you, I can make, I can make a defense draw cards all day Sunday running one play because I can do it out of 50 different formations, right? Because it doesn't take that much of adjustment, right? Everybody can sit there and color a map. Not everybody can do calculus. And if you start throwing a lot of stuff, if you get more than, well, I don't like to get above run about four run schemes. Okay. And I think you got to look at it on a basic level. An offense can only do this. They can attack A gap, they can attack C gap. B gap's too ambiguous. You have too many people can fill. A gap, C gap, D gap, and then your nows, right? Which are like your outside hitches on the front level. The second level, you can attach your your rat or your 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 hook, whatever you want to call that middle area with linebackers, curls and flats to each side. And then back deep, you have your deep thirds. So I think if you really want to be an effective offensive coordinator, you're going to look through and make sure you have a way to attack each of those zones because that's all they can defend defensively. And if you go through uh, preseason in the spring and the summer and you sit as a staff and you start looking at those defenses and you look at what they have responsibility, you want to be a good offensive coordinator, understand defenses, okay? You look at where their responsibilities are and what you like then, you can cut down a lot of wasted time on game planning during the week and season because you should be focusing. You listen to Belichick, you listen to Saban. You've got to game plan based on personnel and matchups. And if you're wasting time looking at, you know, heck, we should all know where we want to run inside zone based on our preferences, and, and we should have that pulled up. We did that work. Pre, I'm a big on preloading stuff. Do your work early on so you can focus on what needs to change, you know, because – there may be some subtle changes in, in a four two five from one opponent to another, but you can identify it quickly. And then you can get your, your your staff, your assistant coaches to focus more when they're watching film on who's the, who do we want to attack? Where are our matchups? Where can we find that? Okay. 
who's our best player? Where do we get in the, in the, the areas that can find, you know, the, the, it's kind of a hit chart type deal, I believe offensively. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm definitely a believer in uh, the kiss philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep, keep it simple, stupid. And uh, I get into arguments with, <laughs> with my head coach sometimes. Uh, and sometimes the off current offensive coordinator, I'm like, dude, you want me to run how many run plays? <laughs> and I so to always offensive line coach. They just, you know, they think, oh man, come on, just get a body on body. That's one of the phrases I hate. Body on body, coach. Come on. Hands so what, let's go. One of the compromises was I was like, okay, we can still run out, we can still run wide zone, we can still run jet sweep, we can still run um toss, but let's make it one blocking scheme. Let's just block it like outside zone each well, time. Well, and right? see, this is yeah. kind of what I was talking about. You just described three plays that attack either C or D gap. You really need three plays that attack the same area, you know, and it's, so it's streamlining things and understanding yeah. that, hey, they may be great plays. And early on, in the, and that's what the spring is for, is to determine what fits your kids best. You know, maybe toss it. Maybe pin and pull. Maybe tunnel sweep is great for you. Better in wide zone. Good. Great. You believe in it? That's what matters. You know, like you said, wing T. Not my cup of tea. There's a lot of dead gum people who want a lot of games with wing T because they believe in it. And that is the main thing is you've got to understand it, believe it, until that kid believes it. Because everybody has to believe that they are going to win. I think that's a mistake. It's a little off topic, but positive language in a locker room, in a coach's office is so key. Mm-hmm. Because if you really don't believe that you're going to win state, you're not going to win. You have to go into it going, we're going to win state. You know, the only thing that can happen, everybody right now that hadn't played a game has a state ring on their finger. Because the only thing that can happen is someone takes it away from you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. That's what I tell my guys. All right. Uh, so I'm not going to keep you too much tonight, Coach. Uh, so come some final thoughts here. You know, there. I know we were talking before we uh, started recording the podcast, and uh, you guys are starting this weekend. Uh, yes. Which, which is, I'm, I'm sure you're pumped. Uh, and we in here in Virginia – at the moment, unless something changes, we're not playing until February. So, you know, there's a lot of other guys like me. Um, if you look at Twitter, uh, it seems like a lot of the other coaches out there, it, it, they're struggling to find positive situations, right? They're struggling to find the positives, and there's a lot of negative going on right now. Mm-hmm. What would be some words of wisdom that you have for our listeners that are, who, are, who are struggling to find their positives? Well, if your kid was being negative, would you let him? Why are you letting yourself? You know what I'm saying? It's a trap. And, it, and, and I don't – I'm not saying, like, hell, I get negative sometimes too. But it's a trap, and it does no good, right? It, you know, sitting there feeling sorry for yourself has never hurt anybody. So what you do is find what you can do. I, like Zoom and stuff like that, I know through a lot of the, the early COVID stages, I was having position meetings. Every three times a week, just to, to stay. And a lot of times, how are you? Is everybody healthy? Because I want those kids to know that I care about them and I can expose them to things and I can find things, find what you can do and build on it. You know, there's never no answer. You know, the person that says, well, I, there's nothing they can do. That's not how you get ahead in life, right? You got to sit there, write it down, find a journal, do what you can, identify the positives. The positives may just be Hey, all I can do is go sweep my garage, but at least sweeping the garage, I'm keeping my house clean. And of course, that's an analogy. I'm not, not a literal garage, but front loads of stuff. Meet with your coaches. Get on a staff and do what I said earlier, where, hey, 
we can identify some defenses. Just build on stuff that's get excited. Ain't nothing. My wife hates it whenever I hang out with coaching friends because what do you do all night at a, at a get together? You talk ball. That's what we do is talk ball. If you're a coach, you talk ball. I mean, and, and some coaches may not. And, and surprisingly, I don't even watch sports. I'm a competitor. I'm about competing and about being part of a team. I'd rather watch a, a cartoon or a comedy show or read, actually, but not here or there. It's about just finding what you can do. And if you can't, even if you can't be around other people, how can you improve yourself? Okay. Look at those ways that you can improve yourself. Study coaches. I study Belichick. I study Saban. I study Bill Walsh. Those guys get great for a reason, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you right now, I could never be Bill Belichick or Nick Saban. I don't have that computer. Those guys are unreal. They've identified it every freaking variable at winning. They've quantitated it and they find a way to, to make sure that they're maximizing. It's amazing what they do, but I can take stuff from it. You know, I, I can learn, learn, learn. Don't be a lifetime learner. Don't, you know, practice what you pe preach. That's the big thing. I think in all people, not even coaches, it's like we hit 18 and then it's like, well, that's done. Now I don't have to work anymore, right? And it's like, hey, life is easy. Just work hard. Get out there day in, day out. Take pride in what you do. You, my coaches are laugh. I'm a you know, run game coordinator. I spot the ball every day. And I tell people I am the best ball spotter in the Southwest region. Why? Because I want to be – I want to take pride in what I do because I want to show my guys that. goes back to servant leadership. I expect my guys to work hard. And I ask them, hey, have you ever seen me not give 100%? Well, no, coach. Well, I expect the same from you. If I'm going to do it, and if I'm going to ask them to do it, I'm going to do it. Oh, man, I'm ready to go coach. <laughs> well, coach, thank you for joining us tonight. I really appreciate you coming Not on. Not a problem. Thank you for having me anytime. And I hopefully I'm able to get you to come back on maybe after the season. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll probably be better. You know, I think we have several Saturday. It just timed up because our game's on Saturday tomorrow. Um, but um, you know, whatever I can do, uh, I'm all about helping the community. Anybody that wants to get in touch with me, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at, I think, at Coach John Arnett. And, uh, and then the same email is Coach John Arnett or John A. Arnett. Someone else beat me to it, I guess, at, at Gmail. Uh, I, I'm about helping. I'm an O-line guy. I think the better we are in a profession, the be you know, I'm, who wants to be selfish and hide their stuff? I'll, I'll help whoever wants it because I want us all to be great. I will make sure that uh, Coach Arnett's information is in the description below. This has been the Armchair Coaching Podcast, and this is Coach Sheffer signing out.